I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. to Snacks with Stein. My name is Christy and Danielle is in California. Hello. (laughs) What's new in the last five minutes? Five minutes, there was a skunk. So we had to get the dogs inside. Our dogs are fun and they like to make friends with them and go, hey, what's up? And then, yeah, problems. Luckily, that did not happen tonight. So they have gotten sprayed in the past? Oh, yeah. A few times. A few times. Now, when I was little, they always used to say tomato juice to get that off. Is that a thing that we just made up? No, I think they still say that for dogs. It's not very effective for humans or dogs. I mean, it helps if it's all you have. But for dogs, they, the vet, um, it's, uh, what's it? It's, uh, I forgot the recipe now comes in a jar like a jug and you buy it at the store and you distill it down it's not vinegar i can't think apple of what cider it is. vinegar <laughs> something like that and you distill it down with water of course you know uh-huh but it doesn't help all the way i mean they smell for a few days and the house smells forever you know right so yeah, yeah. It's fun very times. distinctive very distinctive mm-hmm. distinctive smell. so that was the last five minutes of fun that's good no i'm glad that nobody got sprayed i don't think i've ever been sprayed i think my dad got sprayed one time uh i think he was outside like taking out the trash or something and got sprayed that's my fear it's not just come for me one night (laughs) it's sad because they're kind of cute um, no, they're so cute. I feel bad for them. I know it's like I know it's such a normal, like natural life, so I don't get mad at them for it. But I'm like, man, you smell really bad. <laughs> Listen, so bro, I love you. I'm gonna need to love you <laughs> way over there. <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, good. Well, I wanted to fill you in really quick. I have a new obsession. Dun, 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 dun. I, I have a new addiction. My name is Christy, Uh-oh. and I am uh, addicted to Bomb Party. Bomb, you know bomb Party? Parties? No. Hope it's oh not about God. bombs, or we're going to get flagged by the, uh, the terrorists. Just don't tell Facebook. So it is <laughs> – so my friend from high school shared this page with me, and I'm like, what is this? What's going on? It's a, it, <sighs> I have mixed feelings. It's an MLM, so we know what that is. Uh, but at the same time, like – I cannot stop watching. So what happens is these people <laughs> sign up with this company and they get like jewelry that is like a surprise. So like they can do rings and they're all in like like a like a bath bomb. They have earrings and necklaces and stuff, but those ones aren't in bath bombs. Those are just in like boxes that they like open up and reveal. So you like what they do is they do a Facebook live and then you go and you say, Yes, I want I want a ring in this size. So then they'll like pull out the, mm. the bath bomb thing and they'll fizz it for you. And then in the middle, like, they'll open up the ring. It's always a surprise. And depending on what you get, like, it can be, um, it could be something, like, kind of, kind of snazzy. Like, they're, they're not, I mean, yeah. it's costume jewelry, of course. 
but it's mm-hmm. like it's like 20 bucks i think but sometimes the retail value can be up to like i don't know six seven eight hundred dollars they throw diamonds wow. in there sometimes just to like keep it interesting um but i cannot Damn. stop watching because i just like seeing what everybody got <laughs> I can see how that could like watching that could be fun. Well, so my friend from high school, like he, the what what he did is he he developed a, a drag character. So it's like some of my favorite oh. things, like costume jewelry, drag queens, surprises. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm completely addicted. If you know, if you guys would also like to be addicted, I cannot be responsible. Um, but if you do a <laughs> Facebook search for Fizz and Phyllis. You'll you'll find it. It's impossible to miss. I yeah, saw I you share it, and I was like, "What is this?" But I was like scrolling. But that's a that's a good gimmick, though, to be a drag queen and do that. That's a good gimmick. At least you're like you know selling. At least it's fun. Like you're not just like it, sitting yeah, in your basement. Like, well, and it's not because he is like just having fun with it. It's not like any kind of weird, gross, like pressure sales mm-hmm. or anything happening. And they don't really mm-hmm. have to because. I'd say 70% of those sales are just totally from jealousy. Cause like somebody will get something <laughs> really, really beautiful and you're like, damn it. I want oh. to have something really, really beautiful. It's like so. gambling. It's almost like gambling. You're like, it a, is almost. Like a yeah. Thing. Cause you mm-hmm. don't, I mean, there's no switches or swaps or like you get what you get. And I mean, I haven't really seen any stinkers, but some are definitely prettier mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. I can't stop. Well, I'm going to have to watch sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's very addictive. I can't be held responsible. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about Color Street. That was the other week. So Color Street and now Fizz Bomb. Bomb Party. Yeah, no, I don't – I'm not a big fan of MLMs in general. I think they're kind of predatory. Um, yeah. But – but every once in a while, like, if you come across somebody who's just having fun and, like, not trying to pay their rent, mm-hmm. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is with stuff like Color Street, like, at least you know that is a product that works. Like, it's not, like, a scam product. Like, it legitimately works. I've used their nail wraps before because I got oh, them I as a Color present yeah. before I did before I did acrylics. And at least saw a scammy item. It's not like a weight loss thing or like a fitness thing or all those scammy ones where you're like, drink coffee and you'll be skinny. Like that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> like Color Street is a legit product, you know? And yeah, I mean, with MLMs, it's like the recruitment side is the bad side. But like you said, if someone is just doing it for fun and that's what they enjoy doing, like this sounds like this person is, whatever. Like, do you? Yeah. You know? I mean, like you tune in for a little bit of drag. You tune in for like a little bit of fun, you know, and it's always, you know, he's got his husband there helping and sometimes like he'll pick for people. And I was kind of skeptical at first and I, I got one ring. And when I when it came to the house, I was like, this is not I mean, it's costume jewelry. It's not like precious jewels or mm-hmm. anything, but it's not mm-hmm. bad quality for I mean Well that's for good. Bags. So yeah. yeah. Not that anybody cared or asked, but that is my new obsession. <laughs> Find him under Fizz and Phyllis. It's a good time. I like to think our listeners like to know what's going on in our lives. And if you're obsessed with ring bombs, then <laughs> that's what you're obsessed with right now. <laughs> I, it's so random, like out of left field. Like I'm an old lady who – that's what it is. I've, I've come to that place <laughs> in my life where I'm that old lady that like sits and watches QVC. And like I call in and talk to the host and the hosts are like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> 
It's Christy again. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. Also, we have a new patron. And last episode was his pick for being the winner of the contest. So Andy Lakin has also joined Team Snacks on Patreon. Thank you so much, Andy. And as you know, Team Snacks level gets you a book request. And Danielle tells me that you have already talked to her about it. So we will get that in process for you. But all patrons Mm -hmm. do get a toast on the show. So we'd like to do that for you right now. So Andy, everyone raise their glass. This one is for you. Here's to our new friend from across the pond, whose name I misspelled. Peanuts are better when shelled. Thanks for cutting us some slack and not talking smack, even when King Jelly Jam smelled. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Danielle. What snacks yes. are you having? Are they endorsed by a celebrity? <laughs> well, I guess technically because Starbucks is endorsed by a lot of celebrities. So I am also having a liquid snack this evening. I have a, a ginormous size ice passion iced tea lemonade that has black tea in it for some caffeine. So that's what I'm going with tonight. Liquid Hooray. snacks. So so when you're done recording, your boyfriend can peel you off the ceiling and take you to bed. Yep. <laughs> I love it. sleep? <laughs> well, while Danielle gets all hopped up on caffeine, I'm going to get started. It's just black tea. It won't be too bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's totally fine. I chose this book. Because it was the very first Fear Street book that I ever read. I took my first hit of this teen horror crack in the sixth grade, where I would quickly discover that I could blow through these books in a matter of days and need another fix. The cover of this one's amusing for a number of reasons. It's two pretty girls on a bed, okay? And they're holding onto each other in fear, and they're looking at you. One girl even has her, like, hand out in front of her going, stop, you know, for some kind of would-be attacker. And no, it's not porn, but it might be. They are both (laughs) redheads, and that's it. But they have this, like, shade of redhead on the picture. It's the shade that the hair dye boxes lie to us about. No one's getting that shade. It's only achievable through genetics. Don't be fooled. Also, they're both wearing white cotton night dresses it's like a it's like a cross between like victorian and midsummer Uh, buttons and pleats and lace i don't know um the last interesting thing is the bed which seems to be a wooden four poster with a pink canopy these elements lead me to speculate as to the gender of the artist and i had to look it up And this cover, of course, was created by Bill Schmidt. He did most of the Fear Street covers. But my point is, only a man thinks that two teenage (laughs) girls would wear this kind of nightgown in full makeup 
with a bed that these girls would have grown out of like six years ago. And I'm not trying to shit on that because as an adult who's been to Versailles and like seen the canopy beds, like all the feathers and whatnot, I would totally sleep there. Possibly never leave. I'm just saying (laughs) this was hilarious to me. I was the second I looked at this cover, I was like, oh, well, a dude did that. Copyright on this one is 1994 by Parachute Press. And the tagline reads, don't go to sleep. Is this a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff or? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, let's find out. This one starts with a prologue. An unnamed girl who lives on Fear Street is having a nightmare. She's sweating and tossing and is able to finally wake herself up from the dream. She's trying to calm down when she realizes she's not alone in her room. Before she can wake up a little and take stock of her surroundings, a girl with a knife runs at her from the dark corner of her room. She's tackled and pinned to her bed, and the girl just says something like, But we're sisters! Right before the girl with the knife starts stabbing the ever-loving shit out of her over and over again. Which... Anybody with sisters knows what's up. And that's the end of the prologue. <laughs> that's the end of the book. Done. Good night. No. Uh, Maggie, her sister Andrea, her mother, and their golden retriever, Gus, are all moving into a new house in Shadyside. It's moving day, and they are lost. They're trying to find their way to their new house on Fear Street. Both girls are on the shady side swim team, and being lost on the way to the new house is making them late for swim practice. Right away, we learn that Maggie is everything that her sister Andrea is not. Maggie is a year older, but Stein lets us know that not only is Maggie prettier, more popular and more mature than Andrea, but that Andrea is kind of a big baby about just everything. She, as a teenager, is still throwing fits to get her way, and that causes many fights between these two sisters. Andrea is just kind of a big pain in the ass. The family is moving to a new house after the death of their father, who had a stroke while sitting at his desk at work. They make another turn and they find Fear Street. The girls are less than thrilled with their new neighborhood, coming from a much fancier one on the better side of town. But mom says it's all they can afford right now. You know, they can paint, they can paint, they can plant some flowers. They'll really cheer up the new house as soon as they get some extra money. But the new house is pretty run down. Shutters hanging off the hinges, severely overgrown lawn, kind of run down. They park behind the moving van and they start unloading the car. Well, Mom and Maggie do. Andrea just bitches about having to carry a small bag before letting Gus out of the car against her mom's warning not to. Gus goes crazy, he starts running all over Mom and Maggie trying to get him under control. But when Gus takes off in the direction of the street, Mom yells for Andrea to stop him. 
But instead of moving even one inch, Andrea just complains that Gus is Maggie's dog. Let her go get him. Okay. I am five pages into this book, and I already want to throat punch this bitch. And let's just say mm-hmm. that I would never allow this kind of behavior from a teenager of mine. Unless there was a mental or some other like health issue, most of the time kids will behave just as badly as you let them. PSA. And that goes with people, too. People will treat you just as badly as you let them. But Gus runs into the road and very narrowly avoids getting hit by a speeding truck. Mom brushes off what just happened. She gets to the house. She immediately starts cleaning. Okay, that's who mom is. She is focused, a one-woman cleaning machine, and the girls go upstairs to set up their rooms. Andrea, who is the living embodiment of Veruca Salt, has already called dibs <laughs> on the much bigger room in the back of the house and is headed in to set it up. When Maggie enters the room that she has chosen, she's met with a surprise. What's the surprise, Danielle? In the room? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I don't know. It's too soon to make a guess. A dead too soon. body. You don't it's know what's in the room. It's the ghost head. She's found the head. Mm -hmm. Again, it wasn't Mm -hmm. that well hidden. Um, (laughs) No one looked in the corner. Uh, No, it's it's a bed. It's a big, beautiful, wood-carved four-poster bed. Something out of a movie featuring like old money. Well, this is the new house. The moving van still has all their stuff. Mm. The house should be empty, but in her room, there is this bed. Okay. And it, it is this super fancy, expensive-looking, old-money type of bed. And it's it's got a... Aside from this, like, pink fluffy canopy on it, it's really quite stunning. Maggie cannot believe her luck. And she's just thinking about how things might not be so bad in this new house after all. When Andrea comes in, and sees this bed. First, she tells Maggie she's always wanted a bed like this one. And can she have it? Maggie tells her no. It's her room. The previous owner left it behind and she's keeping it. Which sends Andrea into a full-on baby tantrum about how selfish Maggie is and how she always gets her way. Mom comes in to see what all the yelling's about, and Andrea explains that she is the queen of the world and deserves everything that she wants right now, and that Maggie is a total bitch, and she's being a bitch about it. And Mom sides with Maggie. And Andrea goes off again, which actually sends their mom into tears. It's really sad. Like, this this girl's going to give her mom a breakdown. Mom's upset... Just from the fighting, the amount of fighting and the tension that brings to the whole family. And it's, it's like they hate each other. And mentally, Maggie agrees. Yeah, Mom, they kind of do. That afternoon, the first call to the new house is Maggie's boyfriend. Justin mm-hmm. Stiles. 
Peace. Just, Just in uh, Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like, what was the other book we read where you had to say the first and last name together? Oh, gosh. Never one without the other. Yep. But Justin Stiles is just like that. He's got wavy brown hair and ice blue eyes. And he is the most popular boy at Shadyside. Maggie had only been dating him for a few weeks. And for the past year, he had been dating Maggie's friend, Dawn, who was also on the swim team. And when they broke up, Dawn warned Maggie that Justin was kind of a player. But Maggie gives no fucks. She's with the hottest guy in school. She asks, uh, he asked how the new house is and wants to come over and see. So they make a date for him to come over the next afternoon. She hangs up the phone and it immediately rings again. Speaking of the devil, it's her friend Dawn. Dawn is also on the swim team and is almost the best swimmer if if not the most competitive but maggie always seems to inch dawn out of every race they talk briefly about justin which is weird because i think that we established that justin is dawn's ex but okay um they chat a while and yeah it's not a thing that girls do we don't do that i mean we might get (laughs) bold and like complain but mostly if we've just broken up with our boyfriend and you start dating him Probably not something we're going to talk about. Yeah. They chat for a while. Uh, Maggie tries to ignore the fact that Andrea is clearly listening to her conversation from the living room. And then Maggie hangs up the phone and goes to bed. The bed was just as perfect as she remembered. She had made it with fresh sheets and could not wait to crawl in. Maggie was super tired from moving and unpacking, and it normally took her a little while to fall asleep, but there was something about sleeping under that canopy that felt like an extra layer of protection. (sighs) Which for me is a no. I'd just be staring at the edge, like waiting for a killer clown to stick its head out and look down at me. Pass. I need to see the whole room, okay? I mean, do you really feel like you could sleep under a canopy? Um, I I have. And it's not too bad. Like, I liked it. Like, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it it was high enough, you know, so you don't feel claustrophobic. Like, it's just there, you know? I think the kind that have, like, you know, like Ebenezer Scrooge style where it's all the way around and you, like, hide yourself. That I don't know if I could do, but yeah. You'd constantly be thinking that there was someone just on right on the other side. Oh, yeah. I would just never open it. I'd be like, nope, once it's closed, it's never open. <laughs> I don't think this one has bed curtains like that. I think it is okay. just the top floofy bit. Okay. But for me, it's, it's still a no. I'd still be waiting for something to peek over the top. Pass. Um <laughs> But Maggie is snug as a bug in a rug, and she passes the fuck out and has her first dream in the new bed. In the dream, Maggie was floating, falling slowly through a beautiful pink 
haze. It was very relaxing. Until the pink started to turn shades of gray. And then she saw a girl in her dream. She had dirty blonde hair and Maggie knew instinctively that something was wrong. Wrong with the girl. The girl in the dream is too far. Maggie tries to move closer to see her face, but she can't. The girl in the dream has no face. It's just a blur. And then the gray mist pushes her away from the girl, and there's a terrible scream, and Maggie jolts awake. Quick aside, I seem to remember hearing one time that... You can't create new faces in your dreams. Have you ever heard that? What do you mean? Like you can't, you can't like create a new person. Like you only see so that like you know, kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, like any face that you see in your dream is a face that, like, at some time, you've seen in real life. I never heard that. But I mean, I guess it could be plausible. So I. I've heard that a couple of times before, so I, I looked it up. Um, the The neurology department at Stanford uh, did an article on this like specific issue, and the answer's not quite that simple for a number of reasons. Um, first, that you know, we as a scientific society, we still don't know pr- very much about the brain, right? We don't know exactly how it functions, um, especially during dreaming sleep where scientists mostly have to rely on the recall of the subjects. Um, and as we all know, dreams are usually pretty hard to hold on to in your memory, especially when we're trying to remember them. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of a hard thing to study. Um, but the article kind of came around to say that dreaming happens during the process of converting short-term memory to long-term memory while you sleep. And your dreams are just a byproduct of that process. And things in the dreams like faces and whatnot are made up of memories that you've seen recently or recent events that make you recall old memories while you dream. And this concludes Christy's Science Corner. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's the thing. She has no face and I guess you can't make up faces. How people remember dreams or not. Like, my boyfriend has insanely vivid dreams. Like, they, he can tell you entire stories, you know, like, from beginning to end, like, crazy, crazy. And then me, I barely remember a dream. I'm like, uh, I think I went to the mall, and I don't remember much more than that. Like, I can't hold on to it anymore. But I have had a recurring dream since I was a kid, and I still have it every once, every so often. And um, that's really, but yeah, it's weird how some people have these, just remember everything. And like, I don't, but. Yeah, I rarely will remember a dream. I'll remember, I can remember kind of vaguely what it was about, but not really what happened. I have that dream a lot where like, I'm. I'm, I'm the age that I am, but for some reason I'm in college and I've like not gone to class all semester and I I have to take a test like that day. And I'm like, why didn't anybody, why, what have I been doing? Like I've been, 
<laughs> like, like I'm very confused. And then I wake up really, really upset because I'm going to fail. And it's like, I have graduated for a long, long time. But yeah, I have that, that dream constantly where I'm like, I just didn't go to class all semester. And then all of a sudden now I have to take a test. Yeah, he has the dream that he failed college a lot. Like, oh my God, you're missing a credit or, you know, some of those yeah. kind of weird ones. Yeah. yeah. Has those yep. a lot. Mm-hmm. We were traumatized. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you're 37. If, if you know, if they missed a credit, they would have found you by now. You're not going to be Homer Simpson at your high school reunion. They're going to be like, oh no, you didn't graduate. I think he's just watched The Simpsons too many times. Right. <laughs> mom uh is running in to see what that terrible scream was andrea comes right after her and maggie realizes that it was it was her who screamed she's pretty embarrassed she tells them you know she just had a bad dream andrea suggests that she tell them about her dream before she forgets it so she does and maggie says you know she's she's not even sure who the girl in the dream is andrea suggests that the girl in the dream must be dawn Dawn had dirty blonde hair, and Maggie was talking to her on the phone right before she went to bed. Maggie's not convinced, but she apologizes for waking everyone up and tries to go back to sleep. Natalie, I'm really trying to get through this. What do you want, baby? I want to say goodnight. I'm going to bed. Okay. Yeah, they so. Night-night. I love you. Oh, um, and also, uh, remember how I said yesterday I'm going to sleep in your room tonight and then tomorrow? I'm not going to... I start my room the stuff in here very quietly. No. Please. Start in your bed. I will tell you when you can come in. Okay. My nine-year-old sleeps on my floor. Um, no. <laughs> well, she's, you know, I did that when I was little for a while. She'll grow out of it. No, I did too. I slept on my parents' floor for quite a while. I was probably like seven or eight by the time I was like done. But yeah, I was always on the floor. <laughs> well, I asked her. I just liked her attitude. Like, why do you? Why do you need to do that? Because it's not. It's kind of popped up. Like it's not something she's always done. And she's like, "Well, it's lonely in my room and cold." Aww. It's like, well, it's hard to argue with. Um, let's see. Apologizes and goes back to sleep. Maggie had set her alarm to wake up early to get to swim practice, but for some reason, the alarm clock had stopped. She woke up late, like 11 a.m. late. Well, (laughs) since swim practice wasn't going to be happening, she decided to help clean and set up the house and get ready for Justin coming over that afternoon. When we say afternoon, and this is is just a general PSA for anybody that has to... um, deal with ladies or just a type people on a date it doesn't even have to be we don't even have to gender it it's just a types when we say afternoon mm-hmm. understand that we mean we will be ready by noon thinking mm-hmm. that you as a date will show up right after because we mm-hmm. understand how english works and when <laughs> 5 p.m rolls around And Justin is still not there. Maggie is determined to break up with him. She does not like being stood up. But at 10 after 5, the doorbell rings. 
And Justin is not only hot, but charming. Our hero has not only made it to the new house (coughs) four hours late, (laughs) but he's carrying a bag of kitchen sponges. He listened when she talked about all the cleaning they were having to do, and so he brought them a bag of new sponges. This, of course, charms her mother and keeps Maggie from breaking up with him. Also, he's hot. Did we say he was hot? He's hot. Sponges, are you SpongeBob? Like, oh. yeah. No, Maggie is I'm completely. Not, I'm not gonna be impressed like, by sponges. Well, okay. Well, maybe this will impress you because Maggie says that he has eyes the color of the Caribbean in those travel magazines. <laughs> they might be nice to look at, but he's still five hours late, and therefore I can't. Sponges in the Caribbean aren't going to be enough for you. I would have wanted sponges, flowers, maybe a puppy or a kitten, something. Eh, the eyes of the Caribbean. <laughs> okay, uh, although I, I'll admit, if you show up with a puppy, mm, <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would be hard to be mad. Um, but yeah, so here's the I eyes of the Caribbean anyone. kid. Right. So I'll just give everybody a moment to collect themselves since we're now under Justin's spell, just like Maggie. While we do that, Justin is going to, or Maggie is going to give Justin a tour of the house. And like all tours you give your high school boyfriend, this one ended conveniently in Maggie's new room. Where Justin asked her, is she ready to try out for the all-star swim team? Maggie says, you know, she's nervous, but she's missed the last few practices. But yeah, she's, she's going to try. She thinks she's got a good shot. He tells her, you know what, there's there's nothing to worry about. You can totally beat Dawn and Andrea. And I guess he knows a lot about sports uh, because he's not only the captain of the baseball team, I didn't know that was a thing, um, but he's also a track star. And this pep talk is followed by some light making out when Andrea interrupts them, claiming to want to know if... Um, Maggie unpacked her socks because she can't find hers. And then she's all, well, hey, Justin, how's it going? I saw that home run you scored the other day. And Justin doesn't even hear her, okay? Maggie tosses some socks at her sister and slams the door in her face. (laughs) And once they're alone, Maggie tells Justin about the bad dream that she had the other night. And that, for a moment, when she saw Andrea standing in the room just now, she kind of reminded her of that girl in her dream. Maggie says that she thinks the dream is some kind of warning, and she thinks that something bad is going to happen. But Justin says, you know, it's just a bad dream. She's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's going to work out. And then there's a fade out. And when we come back to Maggie, it's the next day, and she and the other girls on the swim team are getting dressed in the locker room for the all-star tryouts. Maggie is nervous, and Andrea is acting like a baby again, accusing Maggie of stealing her swim cap, only to have one of the other girls point out that it's under Andrea's backpack. Okay, psycho. So they head out to the pool, and they take their spots. They are all swimming the 200 IM, and because my daughter swims competitively, this is the one sport that I do know a little bit about. 
Um, the I am is all four strokes. So that's freestyle, breaststroke, backstroke, and butterfly. And it's 25 meters for each. It is a beast of an event. Um, only your real hardcore swimmers are very good at this particular event. But Maggie got there early. She got a, uh, she got an early lead in the race. But Don, Andrea, and Tiffany all passed her. And it wasn't until the very last lap that Maggie kind of dug deep and started regaining the lead. And her hands hit the wall just seconds before Dawn. First place. Dawn throws a little fit about how somehow she was, it was unfair. There was some kind of procedural error, whatever. She's been a big baby. And Andrea won't even look at Maggie. But it is what it is. Maggie has won. She dresses in silence in the locker room after practice, and she's the last to leave. The hall is all dark, and there are only really a few lights still on in the pool. She opens the door to the pool to head out for the night when she notices a body floating face down in the water. It's Dawn! Maggie thinks fast. She jumps into the pool to save her. She reaches her, pulls her head up, and Dawn stops and asks her what her problem was. Dawn was just doing some breathing control practice and both girls start laughing about how Maggie is such a spaz and how she jumped in the pool <laughs> with all of her clothes on. Now she's all Such there. a spaz. Super spaz. Ha 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 ha. Isn't that funny? Um, <laughs> the next night, Maggie snuggled into her new bed and slowly began to drift asleep. The dream started immediately. And she was, what are you talking about, Danielle? This is a beautiful <laughs> gift that the previous owners <laughs> left out of the goodness and kindness of their hearts. Let's, let's get it together here, okay? All right? She's floating and falling in the gray mist. And below her, she could see the pink canopy of her bed. And as she came closer to the scene in her dream, she saw that the girl with the dirty blonde hair was sleeping in the big four-poster bed. The girl was tossing and turning and having some kind of terrible nightmare. Maggie watched as a figure from the corner moved quickly to the bed with knife in hand. The killer struck again and again, plunging the knife into the girl's chest as blood went flying. Maggie could do nothing to help the girl. She could only watch her be murdered. Maggie jolted awake. Sweating, breathing hard, she starts telling herself it's a dream, it's a dream. Even though it seemed to be more and more like a warning. So she tries to calm herself down. She rolls over to face the other side of the bed. And she opens her eyes just for a second and sees a girl standing right beside the bed. The girl is just staring down at her in the dark. And Maggie starts to scream, but the girl reaches out a hand to stop her. Andrea says, it's only me. Like, this is a totally normal thing for you to creep up on your sibling in the middle of the fucking night and get really annoyed when they act freak out. Kay! It's only me. 
Jesus. I'm just standing Why are you here. screaming? I'm not, saying I'm not saying anything. I'm just standing here. <laughs> yeah, like I'm about to eat your face. What's your problem? Um, <laughs> Andrea says that Maggie was moaning and sleeping and screaming in her sleep, and she came in to see what was the matter. Maggie tells Andrea all about her dream, how she had to watch this girl get stabbed over and over in her mind, and there's nothing that she can do about it. It's like a horror movie that she can't turn off. Maggie is convinced that her new bed is haunted, and it gives people bad dreams, and that's why the previous owners left it there. Maggie is Danielle. Andrea says that <laughs> she heard her making all that noise because she got up for a glass of water. And there's actually this, like, really sweet moment where she talks about finding Gus sleeping by their dad's rocking chair. I guess Gus was, like, their dad's dog, and that's where he always slept when their dad was alive. And so, like, now that their dad's dead, like, Gus still goes and sleeps by his chair. This kind of, like, very soft moment allows Andrea to tell Maggie that she's worried about her. She knows Maggie likes to be number one at everything, but she's worried that, you know, with the death of their father and the move and whatnot, maybe Maggie's pushing herself too hard. And it's causing all these dreams and these ideas about, like, beds being haunted. Maggie accuses Andrea of only wanting her to let up so that Andrea can take her spot on the swim team. And, of course, there's a big fight, and Andrea stomps out. The next day, we see Maggie is a Friday, and she's at school. She's not been sleeping well because of the nightmares, and she is just dead on her feet. She trudges through the packed halls between classes. As the crowd approaches the stairs to go down to her next class, she sees Dawn and Andrea up ahead, talking and walking together. She tries to catch up to them as they go down the stairs, but the hall is so crowded, and all the kids seem to be moving really slowly. She's pushing them aside and calling out to Dawn when Dawn cries out and falls down the concrete steps. Above Dawn's screams, you can hear a loud crack. And all the packed stare goes silent as she finally hits the landing. Maggie is sure that she is dead, but Dawn starts to move a little, a little bit and then she starts screaming, my arm, my arm. There is a panic. The kids, the teachers, everybody goes in different directions trying to find her some help. And Maggie finally reaches Dawn, still lying on the landing. Maggie is asking Dawn if she's all right. And she sees Andrea standing nearby. Was Andrea smiling? Dawn starts yelling that she's not all right. She was pushed. And she knows that Maggie was calling her name right before she fell. So Maggie must have pushed her. Maggie says, that's crazy. And she turns to Andrea and is like, you were walking with her. Tell her I didn't push her. And Andrea's kind of like, I didn't see anything. Lies. Okay, cool. I know. So Maggie is hurt and pissed and now everyone thinks she's like some crazy person who pushed dawn down the stairs she goes to the bathroom she washes her face off she's trying to pull it together when she has this realization dawn has that dirty blonde hair is dawn the girl from the dream 
Is is the dream somehow coming true? Okay, she, she just needs to calm down. She makes it all the way to geology class, where they're going to go through their plans for the field trip next week to the caverns at Glen Rock Mountain. Maggie can't concentrate, though. Did you say Glam Rock Mountain? That would be better. No, it's Glen Rock Mountain. Oh. But I want to go to Glam Rock Mountain. I feel like they did that Me in an episode too. of Gem and the Holograms. They probably did. They probably did go to Glam Rock Mountain. It's like the big rock candy mountain. But they probably Yes. Mountain. But with glitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I heard Glam no, Rock good. Mountain and I was like, wait, wait, Glam Rock Mountain. <laughs> Uh, it's where all the drag queens go whenever the apocalypse happens. Um, you can find them there. In and in like, wouldn't that be amazing? You just come across a community living in Glamroth Mountain. Maggie <laughs> can't concentrate, though. So she asked to go to the office to check on Don's condition. It's not good. Don went to the hospital with a broken arm and possibly a concussion. After school, Maggie meets Tiffany at her locker. That's Tiffany from the swim team, and Maggie tries to tell her that there is no way that she pushed Dawn down the stairs. Tiffany's like, I never thought you did, even though you have a reason. I mean, I guess with all stars, but, you know, no, I, I didn't think you pushed somebody down the stairs. Dawn has a concussion. People with concussions say weird things. Like, it's okay. Like, nobody really thinks that. So Maggie relaxes a little bit now. You know, at least not everybody thinks she's crazy, and maybe Dawn included. By the time Maggie gets home, though, she's so tired that she literally face plants into the couch. <laughs> like, boom. And she falls asleep immediately. <laughs> she wakes up, and it's hours later. Mom's making dinner, and she said Maggie was sleeping so peacefully that she didn't want to wake her. And Maggie is feeling so much better after having some much-needed sleep. And she knows that she was able to sleep because she was on the couch and not the haunted bed that only a few weeks ago she was so excited about. And now she was just dreading bedtime. In fact, she didn't sleep at all that night before. Between avoiding the bed and thinking about dawn, she stayed awake all night. In the early morning restlessness, she went out to the little backyard of their house. She sat down by a tree, and without even considering it, she fell fast asleep. No dreams, just deep sleep sitting up by a tree. And she's woken by a stranger. It's an old man that she doesn't recognize, and who probably should not be in their backyard. He says he, does, he didn't mean to frighten her, you know, but he's he's worried she might get sunburned. She's been sleeping in the sun for a while. Because now the afternoon sun is high in the sky. The man introduces himself as Mr. Avery, their next door neighbor. Maggie asks him if he knew the people that lived in their house, and he says no. But it was such a terrible thing that happened to them. And Maggie's like, go on. And Mr. Avery <laughs> is shocked that Mr. Jameson, the realtor, didn't tell them the story. Does Mr. Jameson sound familiar? He does sound familiar. Mr. Jameson. 
I think that this is the same Mr. Jameson from the 99 Fear Street set. Oh, is the this real realtor in that one too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the one that be. sold them the house. So cute be. little crossover there. Yeah. That he invites her into the house for tea to meet his wife, and he'll tell her the story there. She agrees and goes into the stranger's house next door and meets Mr. Avery's wife, Claire, who is taken with how pretty Maggie is. And they all sit down to tea, and Maggie learns that the people who lived in the house before her family were called the Hefflers. Not the Hefflers. The Helfers. H-E-L-F-E-R-S. Helfers. The Helfers? Helfers. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. They had a daughter (laughs) named Miranda who had pretty blonde hair. And she died in the house. She was murdered, you see. She was stabbed to death. And then there's a fade out. And when we come back... Super stabby. This is the Stabby McStabberson uh, episode where everyone (laughs) witnesses lots of stabbing. Yes. And then there's a fade out. And when we come back, Maggie and Justin are on a date. They're walking together with his arm around her out of the mall parking lot. They've just watched a movie. The movie has let out. And Justin says that he guesses, you know, he's sorry she didn't like the movie. And she's like, no, I I liked the movie. I'm just very distracted. They run into Dawn in the parking lot. And Maggie's excited to see her. She's been trying to call and find out how she is. But, you know, Dawn's not really wanting to talk to Maggie. Dawn is in a cast. And she says that she doesn't think that Maggie pushed her down the stairs anymore. But she's still just not happy about her situation in general. She wanted to be on the team. They say kind of an awkward goodbye, and they get into Justin's car. They drive somewhere close to the mall, and they park, where they start making out with fervor. Maggie has to stop, though, to tell Justin all about the girl that died in her bed. Super romantic, and about how she thinks that the girl is trying to send her a message from beyond the grave. Justin is just like, Ha <laughs> you're so pretty. Please stop talking. Let's make out. But Maggie knows that this bed is sending her a message. She just has to figure it out. The next day at swim practice, Maggie is in fine form. She finished a half a lap ahead of Tiffany and Andrea. And she stops to cheer for her sister. But the moment that Tiffany pulls ahead and is... It's Maggie... But, wait a minute. But at the last moment, Tiffany pulls ahead, and now it's Maggie and Tiffany who will be swimming for the All-State. Coach tries to tell Andrea that she needs to keep training. You know, as first alternate, it's very important to the team that she stay in shape. But Andrea snaps at Coach that she doesn't need her pity, and she storms off. Dawn is watching unhappily from the stands and makes sure to congratulate Tiffany, but not Maggie even though they're standing together. That night, Maggie is trying to sleep once again in the monster bed. And it takes a while, but she finally gets comfortable, and the dream begins. She's falling through the mist again. She can see the bed and the girl just like before. But this time, 
she tries to cry out and wake her up. But she only succeeds in waking herself up. And she notices that, again, she's not alone in her room. Andrea comes forward towards the bed with something metal in her hand. It's a curling iron. Andrea says that she can't sleep. And she's been trying out some new hairstyles. And can she borrow Maggie's curling iron? Okay. (laughs) Andrea leaves and Maggie desperately wants to go back to sleep. She needs to figure this dream out. But now she can't sleep. So she decides to do an old trick of her dad's. She's going to get out of bed. She's going to get a book. She's going to read until she feels sleepy. Right? So she reads for a while. She walks around the kitchen. She gets a snack. And after she feels pretty sleepy, she she goes back up to her room. She's ready to crash. But when she gets to her bedroom, she notices that the covers on her bed are pulled up. Which is weird because she knows that she left them down. When she pulls back the covers, she finds a long silver knife stuck deep into her pillow. She screams and mom comes in to see what's going on and Maggie starts yelling that Andrea put a knife in her pillow. And mom goes to check, but there's no knife anywhere. Maggie flips out and she runs into Andrea's room. She's yelling that she knows it was her. She knows she's not asleep to just stop pretending. Andrea appears groggy and she asks what's going on. And Maggie just keeps looking all over Andrea's room, asking where she hid the knife. But mom pulls Maggie out of Andrea's room and says that, you know what, they're going to talk about this tomorrow. The next day at practice, Maggie is exhausted. She is beat to the, uh, she's beat to the wall by a few fractions of the second by Tiffany. They all go into the locker room and start getting changed. They're excited to swim in the All-State meet in a few days, and they're talking about how great it would be if Shadyside won the meet this year. Coach comes into the locker room and tells Maggie that she wants to see her in her office. Andrea teases her that she's in trouble, and she leaves the locker room. Coach is just checking up on Maggie, really, just asking her, you know, how's she doing since her father's death? Is there anything she wants to talk about? She just, Coach kind of just senses that there's something wrong with Maggie. Maggie assures her she's fine. She's, you know, she's all right. And coach says, okay, well, just make sure you get plenty of rest between now and the all-state meet. It's really important. She says, okay, you know, I will. I'm going to try. And she walks back into the locker room and almost trips over a body on the floor in a puddle of blood. Whoa. Who's on the floor, Danielle? I wasn't prepared. In a puddle of blood? I don't know. And stumped. It's Tiffany. There's nobody obvious this time. Maggie crouches down to see where all the blood is coming from, and she picks up a long knife from the puddle on the ground. Right about then, Coach walks in and sees Maggie leaning over Tiffany's body and holding a knife. Tiffany had been stabbed in the side but was alive. She had no idea who sneaked up at her from behind, and Maggie was taken into questioning by the police. But they end up letting her go. Now it's Andrea and Maggie 
who will be swimming for Allstate. And Andrea is not even trying to hide how excited she is about it and how she thinks, you know, it's super lucky that Tiffany got stabbed. That night, Maggie is back in the monster bed. The dream has begun, but this time, Maggie is running. Miranda is running in front of her a few steps ahead, and Maggie is yelling at her to stop to show her her face. But Miranda keeps running. They're in some kind of an underground tunnel. There are slippery rocks that Miranda keeps falling on. She's running scared, and there's someone chasing her through the tunnel. Someone with a knife. Then Maggie is falling and floating through the mist again, and she can see the bed come into view below her. Miranda is in that bed, and this time she rolls over and shows her face. It's a pretty but frightened face, and Maggie screams and woke herself up. And she's coming out of the dream, and a hand is clamped over her mouth. She looks up and sees Miranda standing over her bed and holding a cold hand over her mouth, which she slowly takes away. Maggie asks if she's a ghost, and Miranda just nods her head. Mom comes running in from hearing Miranda scream before the lights go on, and Miranda is gone. Maggie starts yelling about the ghost, that that there was just a ghost in her room, and when she can tell that mom in no way believes her, she just starts crying. She's so tired. Have you ever been so tired? Have you ever been so tired you felt like you had a like a like a fever? She's at that place, and mom won't believe her. I've been very tired. <laughs> she's saying over and over again she's not crazy. Mom promises everything's going to be all right. They're going to find her. A really good doctor. The next day is the field trip to the caverns. Maggie is dragging from not sleeping, but she's there with the rest of the class. The teacher has split the class into groups of four, and there's like a whole maze of tunnels to explore. But not to worry, they all connect to each other. They all lead out to the mouth of the cave. They are to go and explore and take notes, and then they'll meet back up at the mouth of the cave in an hour. Maggie is in a group with a girl she knows called Dina. They walk with the group, and both of them decide that the caves are pretty gross, um, and that they really hope that there's no bats. Maggie slips on a rock and almost falls. I know, the bat thing is stupid. Here we go again. But she slips on this rock. It makes her kind of dizzy. So she just kind of steadies herself for a second. She hangs onto the wall. She closes her eyes. When she opens them again, she's alone. Her group had gone off without her. She listens and hears what she thinks are voices up ahead. So she tries to catch up to them. But after walking for a few minutes, she doesn't hear anything now. She's alone. In the cave tunnel. Just like her dream. She's trying not to panic. She's trying not to imagine the walls of the tunnel are slowly but surely closing in on her. She is deep breathing when she hears footsteps approaching. And she calls out, who's there? And the footsteps get closer. But no one answers. 
She calls out again and the footsteps keep coming and there is no way that whoever is making those didn't hear her. So she panics and she runs, just like in the dream. She slips, she tears her knee on the side of the cave, she turns a corner and she's met with a torrid of bats flying in her face. Okay, no doubt frightened out of their furry little wits with all the fucking around and shouting that Maggie's been doing. So she keeps going. She reaches a dead end where all she can think to do is scream for help. So she does. She starts screaming like a maniac for someone to help her. (coughs) When someone does finally appear with a flashlight in hand, it's Justin. He's asking her why she ran and why she's screaming. He was calling her name. Didn't she hear him? Everyone else was out by the bus waiting on her. She was missing, so he came looking for her. She hugs him and tells him she's terrified because her dream is coming true. And he kind of gives her a look and is all, you're not really going to start talking about that dream stuff again, are you? And she says, no, 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 I'm not. Because now it's clear Justin's not going to believe her. When we see them both again, a day has passed, and Justin stops Maggie on her walk to the house, to her house. He asks her why she wasn't in school that day, and Maggie said that she had to go see a shrink, a 40-est psychiatrist named Dr. Brenda, Oh, who listened quietly while Maggie told her about the dreams and about the haunted bed. She nodded her head and then wrote her prescription for a tranquilizer. Maggie could tell that Justin was uncomfortable and that, overall, he was definitely pulling away from her. This was probably more than Justin bargained for. She asked if they were going to go out again, and Justin suggests that they go out tomorrow night, after Maggie wins the 200 at Allstate. He gives her a grin, and over his sh- or he gives her a hug, and over his shoulder, across the street, standing by the hedge, she saw her. Madison. She points and yells, look, it's her. It's the ghost from my dream. But by the time Justin looks, Madison's gone. And once again, Maggie looks super cray. She's done. She calls bye over her shoulder to Justin. She heads towards home. Everyone thinks that she's crazy. When she gets home, she sees Andrea has helped herself to some of Maggie's clothes and makeup. And she said that the Avery's have invited them to a barbecue. She heads out to the backyard. Mom and Gus are already posted up at an outdoor table and the food is being passed around. Maggie is just thinking. She's trying to figure out what is happening to her. How is she going to fix it when she gets an idea? This all started with the bed, and it will end there. She needs to finish the dream. Because remember, until now, she's screamed and woke herself up every time. It ramps up this one. It does. It's like all these things start happening like all at one time. Right? Like it gets, it wasn't interesting until she started like losing it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So she, she's figured it out. She needs to finish this dream, right? That's how we do it. We figure out what happened to this girl. But when she gets to her room, she sees that the four poster bed 
is gone. There's a new, more modern bed in its place, and she runs over to ask Andrea what happened to the bed, because she needs it. And Andrea just says that Mom called a mover over to help her move the old bed into the attic. She goes on to say that Mom took the bed so that Maggie could start feeling better and don't even think about trying to sneak up there. And this is where I have a little bit of a logistics question because I'm pretty sure that their attic is one of those like pull the string down and then the stairs fold out things. How'd you get a four-poster bed up there? Yeah. It's not like there's like a door where you walked up some steps. You've got like I a think they would have had three by five hole. Yeah, you, I mean they, have you could to. take it up in pieces and build it up there. Yeah, you couldn't take it up built. As There's long no as way. the headboard yeah, wasn't too small. big. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other problem too. Mm-hmm. Maggie goes back to her room. She snuggles down in her new bed. She'd be swimming all state in the morning. She had to at least try to get some rest. Well, that's what she told everyone. And she did sleep until about 3 a.m. When she woke up and started to sneak up to the attic. If she could just finish the dream and find out who killed Miranda, she'd be free and everything would go back to the way that it was. She climbed the attic stairs and she spotted the bed pushed far against the attic wall. She approached, ready to climb in, when she saw that someone was already in the bed. Mm. Who's in the bed, Danielle? Ew, her creep ass sister. <laughs> it's a good guess. It's Miranda, just like in the dream. Only this time, the silver knife is on the floor next to the bed. Miranda wakes up and grabs the knife and attacks Maggie. Maggie grabs her arm to hold her back, and for the first time, she realizes that Miranda's not a ghost at all. She's very, very real. And in her villain monologue, Miranda says she's not Miranda. Miranda was her sister. This girl's name is Gina. Miranda was Miranda always said that she had powers, and she must have been sending Maggie the dream to warn her about Gina. Her sister was always so mean, and that's why she had to stab her again and again and again for being mean. And when she escaped the hospital, she came back to the old house. No one had lived there for a long time, and when Maggie and her family showed up, Gina had to stay mostly in the attic, listening, and going to take food from the fridge while everyone was gone for the day. And now, she was going to kill Maggie, because Maggie was so mean, just like her sister. Right about then, Andrea shows up in the attic. Gina grabs Maggie by the hair and drags her to the bed. She calls to Andrea saying, she's ready. It's time now, Andrea, come kill Maggie. Gina will even hold her down. Maggie starts screaming. She could not believe that Andrea really wants her dead. And Andrea's like, what the fuck is going on? And who is that? 
I don't know her. Yeah, I'm you. And Gina says that, what does she mean? She doesn't know. She did all of this for Andrea. Because she knows what it's like to have a mean sister. She even hurt those other girls on the team so that Andrea would finally get a chance to beat her sister once and for all. She did it all for her. Andrea's still confused, but Gina raises the knife and says, time for mean sisters to die. And Maggie rolls out of the way of the blade just in time. There's a struggle and Gina is distracted when the canopy falls on top of her from the top of the bed. Andrea is on the other side of the bed. She has dropped this canopy down and motions for Maggie to grab the other side. And they hold the pink canopy over Gina and trap her. But the hand holding the knife shoots out from the pink fabric. Andrea wrestles the knife away from her and the girls succeed in wrapping Gina up in the canopy and subduing her. Mom comes up the stairs demanding to know what the hell is going on and the girls tell her to call the police. They will explain later. And mom does. Hours later, when Gina has been taken away, Maggie tells Andrea she can have the bed now if she wants it. And then there's this like crazy weird thing that doesn't go here and I almost didn't include it, but it's so weird that we have to talk about it. Okay, literally in the last page of this book, for no reason, and there's no way that he doesn't know what this exchange sounds like. So, okay, so Maggie's like, hey, Andrea, you can have the bed now if you want it. And uh, Andrea's like, you know, no way, no thank you. But then she also asks her mom if she can now have a waterbed. And Maggie laughs and says something like, oh, yeah, you can practice your breaststroke. And Andrea sasses back that her breaststroke is just fine. Thank you very much. And then they laugh. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and that's how it ends. <laughs> so what are they going to do with the bed? I have so many, like, I, I was feeling I good and now it. I feel gross. I would have a fire. Like, I would not just let that bed sit. Like, I would be Yeah, but haven't we learned that, bed. like, fire releases things sometimes? Like. True. It's like Jumanji. Like, we just got to bury it deep enough. <laughs> bury it deep enough and the drums will sound and you'll hear it. Isn't that gross, though? She was living in their house the whole time. That is so gross. I hate that. And how she's like, I was just stealing food and I was hungry. And I'm like, no, bitch. No. <laughs> don't like it. I don't. Well, but like, at the same time, we still don't get any explanation about why Andrea was acting so creepy going into her room all the time. Yeah. In the middle like, of the night. That's the only reason I thought maybe she, like they could be in it together is because Andrea kept getting up in the middle of the night. So it's like, were they like hanging out? Like, what was the deal? I was almost thinking that, well, before we know she wasn't a ghost, that she was possessing her somehow. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, Taking her over. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to kill your sister? Like, I killed my sister. Kind of a thing. Right. But apparently she's just a creep. 
Yeah. All there is to it. <laughs> so that took a turn. It's a much simpler so, explanation. Do you know what's funny? So I had an idea and I was going to talk to you about it. You remember how we used to do Deathmatch with horror movie people on The Haunted Heart? Yes. I think I want to do a, a bracket mm-hmm. for our page where we take the villains from the episodes we've covered and put them mm. against each other. So, That'd and then at the end, we could have like the Goosebumps winner fight the Fear Street winner. Yeah. And the, the point uh, I was trying to make with that that made me think about it is I made a I made a list today of the villains from all the books that we've covered so far. Oh, and I don't remember all of their names. Even mine? But it was hilarious. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't I don't remember all their names specifically, but it was hilarious. On the Fear mm-hmm. Street side, I wrote Crazy Girl like six <laughs> times. <laughs> Blonde crazy girl, brunette crazy girl, redhead 100%. crazy percent Do you know how many crazy girls we've had? Like, seriously, like, the percentage is probably around 50. It is 50% a crazy mental patient in some way. Either they're escaped or they're recovered or they haven't made it there yet. Can what do I have? All, like, I probably have a lot of ghosts. Um, I did write alien ghosts. a number of times on your side. Oh, well, we got aliens. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, we have to keep going with the monsters. Well, and I forgot about Secret Agent Grandma. Secret Agent Grandma. Yes, our only, I think she's really our only alien. Oh, well, no. We're going to do another one of those. um, The Night Night of the Jack Lanterns, they were technically aliens. They were aliens, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. aliens too. I know the choose your own adventure ones are just tough. Like we'd have to do it how we did it that night, how it was just really on the fly. I can't really prep that. Like I tried well, to I prep that was it, good, and though. it's too hard. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that was yeah. fun though to do it that way, and then you won't have to worry about like writing a yeah. script or anything. Like, um, yeah, you know, we can that one has to just be. Do, like, That's what I feel before. like if we do if we do that one, it could either be a Patreon exclusive or something, or I don't know. If we want to do it that way, since they're not like a script, you know, they're more just like we're I'm not I don't I tried not to read verbatim. But with those ones, you kind of have to because you're like, well, are you going on the train or not? You know, so right. Yeah, but they're fun. And I have a whole bunch of them. I got that good lot for a good price. So I know. Yeah, we need to do another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But I like that idea of the bracket. That's fun. Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead with that. I think we're going to move ahead. I put a question on our Patreon mm-hmm. to ask if um, it should be double elimination or single elimination. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, there's going to be two separate brackets, one for Fear Street, one for Goosebumps. And we're going to only use mm-hmm. the villains that we've covered thus far. We're going to put them against each other in a fight to the death. And I'll probably have to drop some like stipulations in there as I do the postings. And uh, and we'll see who comes out on top. And then at the end, I think that we should put the Goosebumps villain against the Fear Street villain and see mm-hmm. who wins. And when we've done that in the past, see the way that it win. works is that the, the group will vote. They'll vote on who you think would win yeah. in a fight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being in the Facebook group, where you will probably find that cool bracket is going to be in our wonderful Facebook group. I know it's kind of quiet. And we really have to get better at posting. So we really appreciate those of you that are in the group. We hope that 
what we do post you enjoy. <laughs> we appreciate it. But we'd love it if more people could join if they're not joined already. Or even if you if you are joined, maybe just leave us some suggestions about what you'd like to see more of in the group. You can always send us a message at through the Sex with Stein page. And we would see that. And then we would kind of know what you guys want to see from the Facebook group. So join the Facebook group. It's just find Sex with Stein on Facebook. Pretty simple. And we just added an Ask Us thread where we will pull a few questions to answer on the show. And it will probably be as a special mini-sode when we reach 10K downloads. But um, we have a few questions already. They're interesting. So we're going to see how it goes. Some of them I don't understand. Yeah. We'll figure it out. (laughs) We'll we'll come up with something. If you haven't asked asked a question yet, yeah. I haven't asked a question yet. I'm looking at our Patreon folks. I don't think they've asked any questions yet. So Patreon people, ask a question because I'm sure you have one for us. Even if it's just like, what's your favorite Starbucks? Like, we'll answer it. We'll answer it. So it could be any question with any question that makes sense because we have a couple that don't make sense right now, but we're going to figure it out. We'll figure it out. I don't know. But that's going to be up for like probably the next two or three weeks. Uh, yeah. We'll leave that mm-hmm. up so that we get a good pool uh, to go from. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, until next time, we are out. Like the mailman after making Amazon deliveries to my house <laughs> on the daily. Seriously, though, he hates me. He Bye. probably hates you right now because of the Bye. No, he doesn't. He just doesn't come up to the house. Like, he refuses. Oh. Yeah, if you if it's not clear, he Wait. keeps driving. Where does he go? Well, so he, he just like just come? continues on the route and then sometimes he'll put like little passive aggressive notes in our mailbox that are like a flyer with a diagram that shows exactly <laughs> how we should remove the snow from the mailbox if we expect him to come oh, yeah. by it. What a butt. <laughs> no, these are like Xeroxed. Like we're not the only one who gets them. I'm sure. Well, gee. I think we already said that. All right. That's probably okay. I think so. We can (laughs) say it again. Bye.